ICA Gear has outfitted over 10,000 bow hunters across the country, and we're continuing to raise the bar when it comes to bow hunting camo. New for the 23 season, we introduce our never-before-seen panel fabric system designed to be dead quiet along with our patent-pending bow hunting collar, Osseo Gear. Features and function built for bow hunters by bow hunters. Learn more at asiogear.com. Welcome to Bear Bow Hunter Podcast with your host, Nate Bailey, where we look to the ancient paths of our hunting ancestors to guide our future, where woodsmanship and hard work outweigh advanced shooting devices, where we value those who have gone before us and welcome those who are yet to come. Join us as we exchange valuable insight about the Bear Bow Hunter's lifestyle. edition of Barebow Hunters podcast. Uh, today we're going to do something a little bit different, uh, something that I haven't done before that's kind of fun, and uh, that's a question and answer. So if you guys aren't a member of the Barebow Hunters uh, group on Facebook, uh, you should probably head over there because I'm going to start doing this every Friday. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask for que- uh, ask for questions, and then I'm going to go through and answer them. And if I can't find the answer, um, I will uh, find somebody who can. So if it's a technical question that I don't know, then um, I will definitely find somebody that can answer that question. So we have several questions here. Um, It's probably going to take a little bit for me to answer them, but they're very good questions. And I'm just going to, I'm going to just say the first names of the people who asked the questions i i don't know if they really want their name on the podcast so actually i'm not even going to say their name unless they want their name on the podcast but uh the first question that we have is is there a particular experience or hunt that contributed to your biggest leap in hunting knowledge uh would love to hear the story okay so yeah there was a hunt that actually um probably kicked me into further along into my bow hunting career um and it wasn't i mean i always hunted with a stick bow i've only hunted with a compound for like a year um i i tried i i started the way i started hunting with stick bows is i started hunting rabbits um when i was in high school with my uh, i was pretty young in high school so i was like a, a freshman and friends of mine and i had built some climbing tree stands in shop and so we were shooting all i had at the time for a bow was a old ben pearson that i could afford at a second hand store and uh so we climb up in our in our tree stands and we would shoot jackrabbits we knew where all the jackrabbit jackrabbit trails were and uh we would set up our tree stands on the jackrabbit trails and we did this during the winter a lot of times because after duck season and a lot of things weren't going on, so we, you know, had to find something to do. So um, I shot jackrabbits with my tree stands out of with uh, recurve bows, and that's how I got into bow hunting. And I really wasn't, you know, I wasn't really concerned about shooting a recurve or a stick bow at the time. I was just shooting bows. Um, there weren't a lot of people doing it. My grandfather had shot bows. My dad had shot bows. So... Um, they didn't really do it a lot, but they, they did hunt a few times. And my grandfather hunted geese with his bow. 
um, quite a bit actually. And uh, my dad hunted with a bow, but we we didn't do a whole lot of it. But I just wanted to shoot with. I just I don't know. There's something about the bow and shooting and hunting with the bow that I thought was just spectacular. Well, I'd been hunting elk for a long time with my uncles. Um, I never, never really drew a tag, but my mom would take me up and she would drop me off with my uncles and we'd be in elk camp in November. And, and we did a lot of, you know, running around and finding elk in the, in the snow. And then I just fell in love with elk. Um, and so when my uncle started bugling bulls, uh, my uncle Garm would bugle bulls in, uh, during rifle season, during, uh, uh, regular deer rifle season, which is like the first of October. So they were still bugling then. And when he called in a couple of those bulls and then started seeing bulls around, um, uh, then I got the bug and I knew that the only way, you know, I could actually be out there and hunt like that, hunt them was, uh, during the rut. And the only way I could hunt the rut is if I actually, um, became a bow hunter. So I did, I became a bow hunter and, um, that first year I thought I had to buy a, a compound cause everybody had one of those. And this was probably like 80. Oh, I hate to, uh, let me see. Was I, I don't think I was quite driving yet. So it, it was probably like 84, 85. And, um, so I bought this little Browning bow and it had the old sight pin, you know, the old, oh, uh, brass pins that, that, that you could tighten down on one end. They had two jam nuts and you, they slid up and down on this slotted piece. I still think we have some of those sights around. But uh, you put that on the front, and then we didn't even know about peep sights back in those days, and we shot aluminum arrows, and, and we were shooting um, old wasp broadheads. And and uh, so I'll, I'll never forget because we started bow hunting, and man, oh, man, alive, there were, there were animals everywhere. And that's one of the biggest reasons I stuck to it is because you could see we saw – I don't know, 200 deer a day easily back in those days. Now in the same unit, you, you don't, I mean, I think we saw three or four deer last year or 2020 when we hunted that unit. But anyhow, so um, my dad was always deer hunting. He never thought even that a uh, bow would work for an elk. And then we start. I got one of those old Jones bugles. You guys remember those that have the metal reed in them? I think they called them the the predator or the persuader or i don't remember what it was called but um it had a metal reed in it and every time i blew it i would get um lightheaded <laughs> as a young kid you get lightheaded and see stars every time you blew it but we called several bulls in um and and, and dad called one in with mom there um up on top you guys if you've seen any of our videos you see us putting rocks on a, a ground blind um, that's the famous place where dad called that bull in out of that bowl and it came across there and, uh, my mom got scared and she waved it off. She scared it off cause she didn't think she didn't know what that bull was going to do. But ever since that time, and we got into those elk, I, I was addicted. I could not get out of it. So I did buy that bow and I, I, we did have some elk encounters, but, um, we were hunting this ridge and these deer came up on the ridge and they, and they're popped up and they're coming across. And at that time you could shoot any deer. And I, I wasn't too worried about shooting a buck or anything. I was going to shoot a doe. And anyhow, I drew up on that and drew back and those stupid sight pins just 
all fell. Ding, 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 ding. I'd done something to loosen them up. I probably didn't get them tight enough in the first place. They were just, you know, knurled. They didn't have, like, any wrenches or anything like that. And uh, and I thought, sheesh. So I pulled, and I was shooting fingers with sights because back in those days we didn't have releases. I, they probably had some, but only guys like Chuck Adams had them. But, um, and then I, I was holding fingers, and I just kind of guessed with that bow. And, and I shot, and I shot like three foot under, and I kept thinking, man, if I had my recurve, I could, I, I would hit that. You know, at that distance, I would have hit it. I just didn't know even where to hold the bow, and I never even practiced with, you know, uh, shooting it instinctive or shooting it with fingers. Uh, well, I did shoot it with fingers, but shooting it without sights. And so then on, I, I just kind of put that bow away and said, well, I'm going to recurve hunt. And, uh, of course, then, you know, Elk Fever and those movies came out, and I watched Larry Jones and all that stuff. So I, I, that's how I picked up bow hunting is through that as i uh i thought man i'm gonna start calling an elk and uh just like larry jones and and you know there's one thing in that movie he says we're gonna go down in that deep dark hole and dwight shoes like in the hole and he's like yeah in the hole and then so from then on i, I kept looking for all those holes to go into to find elk and uh you know he's right the, the elk are down in those places but uh so we started hunting them and but that wasn't really the most um, – that wasn't the time in, in my in my career that, or whatever you call it. That wasn't the most defining hunt. The most defining hunt was in the Cascades. And I'd been elk hunting for quite a while. I called in quite a few bulls. Um, it froze up on a lot of bulls. I, I tell you what, I, I called in a lot of big bulls early on, and they'd come in and I – I would freeze up, and I think this is a common problem for new guys with elk, um, or I or I just couldn't get a, couldn't figure out how to get a shot off, how I was going to actually make this happen, and or or didn't even think that way, just watch the bull. The first bull I ever called in, actually, I was underneath a fir tree. He came in about twenty yards away and just was just tearing everything up, and walked broadside. Uh, around that fir tree, almost all the way around the fir tree, and I was, and I could have shot underneath that fir tree. You know how some of the limbs are and stuff. I had a little blind built in there, and he walked completely around me, probably 270 degrees at 20 yards, broadside, and one of the bigger bulls I've seen in the Cascades, and I've seen some studs up there. And uh, anyhow, that bull, um, I, the whole time I was just kind of amazed that I actually called him in. And I don't know if you guys have ever been there or not, if you guys have ever actually hunted these elk and, and been to the point where you were just flabbergasted that it was a bull. <laughs> you're, you're thinking, oh, it's just another hunter or, or you know, he's not going to come in. And then when it happens, you just sit there and are in awe of the moment. Well, that's exactly what happened to me. And then after that bull left, I was like, I could have shot that. What, what in the heck was I thinking? I should have shot that. So that was kind of a, a neat bull. So, but the next year, um, the next year, I got into the bull that actually probably changed everything about me as far as a bow hunter, and uh, probably ruined me for deer bow hunting actually too. But uh, I'd been chasing bulls all morning, and this was in the Cascades again. I love the Cascades, by the way. They're hard to hunt, but man, some of the bulls are just the coolest thing, and and they don't get hunted real hard. Um, in the places that I go, they just don't, people just don't go in those places. And so 
um, I had I I was going to go back to camp. We we were camping up above on the ridge, and I had been chasing them all morning. And it was like two o'clock in the afternoon. This was before I really knew a whole lot about elk activity and what they like to do and the things that they do during the rut. I I, I just knew that you know you hunt them in the morning and the evenings, which you know is kind of now I know a little bit different than that. But I thought, well, shoot, you know they're done, so I'm headed up the hill. And I'm gonna go back to camp and get something to eat, and then I'll I'll go back out after him in the evening. I was making my way up through this little willow patch, and it's it's a little seep that's in there, and um, I've always always seen elk sign in there, but I didn't think they used it that much because it's kind of out in the open, and and uh, I was making my way through it, not out in the open per se, but it didn't have a whole lot of big tree canopy, and elk you know a lot of times don't like to be out in the sun during the summer so that they tend to try to be in the darker holes to keep cool during the rut and during the summer. Well, anyhow, but this did have a seep running through it. So I was walking up one side of that seep and, and as I'm going through, I'm sinking in the mud. You guys have all probably been there in the cascades are just full of these places and, and I'm sloshing through, you know, and all of a sudden as I'm sloshing through there, I had a friend with me too. His, he never even hunted before. And this was his first year even hunting, and he's he's not even hunted. And uh, he had a recurve bow that he, he decided he wanted to recurve bow hunt, so I had him with me. And we're walking up through there, and that elk hears us slopping through, and all of a sudden he just lets out this blood-curdling scream at me. And, I mean, he wasn't probably 50 yards. I just couldn't see on the other side of where the willows were, the alders. Um, and so being young and stupid, um, I didn't get myself set up at all before I answered him. I just ripped my bugle off my back, and I'm standing in this little patch of alders, and I give him a bugle, and <laughs> and and uh, all I hear was sticks breaking and antlers coming. And, I mean, it was like that. It was, it was just a second. And that bull, so there was kind of this alder patch that was coming down through there, and it was and that bull was walking parallel and I was on one side of it and he was on the other side of it. And he's just walking parallel down to me. And he was just on the other side of the alder patch, which you guys have probably seen some of these and which was only probably maybe 30 feet wide. And it was just a strip of alders and he's on the other side and he's coming right straight for me. And, uh, he's coming, he's coming and he's not 40 yards or 40 feet from me. And he comes out to the edge and he comes out to the edge of the alders, and he didn't clear himself. He didn't come all the way out. And about the time I see him just starting to clear himself be from behind us, the streak is takes off, and it's running right straight at the – so it was another little bull is what it was. And he's running into the herd because he heard that big guy come out. Well, that bull stood there not 20 feet away from me, 15 feet probably, slobbering and on the edge of that patch looking over me looking for that elk he thought i was that little bull and uh and and i don't know if you guys have ever been around a big herd of uh cascade bulls but a lot of times only the big one is the one bugling all the other little guys um there's only a certain amount of time that they will bugle and and they're scared to do it um it's not like for some reason eastern oregon elk or or rocky mountains it seems like every elk in the valley will bugle but um that wasn't the way this, that most of the ca cascades that I've been around, most of the cascades I've been around, I call in a lot of bulls that never even bugle back to me. 
Um, they're part of the big herd. I'm, I'm bugling the big bull. Um, but the little guys come in silent. And two of them that we shot last year were that, or shot at last year were that way. Uh, Kevin shot at one, or in 2020. Kevin shot at one that came in silent, and, and then David shot at one, came in, or killed one, came in silent. But um, that's normally how it goes. Anyhow, um, that bull just sits there and stands there looking at me. And I was at full draw, so I was just waiting for him to pass that. There was no stopping this time. Uh, there's something in you. There's like a switch that, that turns in you after you've had so many um, encounters. If you're, if you're a hunter, there's something about that that turns in you. And all I can remember is I was at full draw for I don't know how long. It seemed like an hour. But it didn't even, I couldn't even feel it. And I knew, and I just kept, I was trying to will him into stepping one more step because I would have just nailed him. And there was something inside of me that didn't feel any fear, didn't have any doubt, didn't have any of those emotions that kept me from shooting before. And um, we call it the kill switch. And, and you guys watch that happen with Gage's little spike. He had so many bulls in front of him before that spike, but you saw what happened. He snuck up there, and there's something. There's a switch inside of you that turns. And I'm telling you what, that's and that only comes from um, a lot of um, um, oh encounters. You have to have those encounters for that to actually switch over. So I still have a little bit of that when a big buck comes in, a big black tail, because I, I haven't killed a big one yet. Um, but elk, man, it's just a whole different world for me. So that that's kind of the pivotal um, hunt that I've had that after that hunt uh, every elk that I had an encounter with I was on par trying to kill that thing um, so I, th I think that's probably something that every especially young hunters have to go through and um, that's that that was the and that was in 2000 no that would have been 98 or so because that was before 2001 so that's when that happened so that's what that's what's done it um, here's the second question. Growing up as an Oregonian, have you had the opportunity to hunt out of state? I've had the opportunity. I haven't taken it. Um, I think there's a lot of good hunting here in Oregon. Um, I think you've got to work harder. Uh, and I think actually it's going to start getting better if a guy's willing to work. Um, just because I think people are, are thinking that Oregon's the worst state in the world and they're, they're going to get out of here and go hunt somewhere else. And, and I understand because some of these units, I used to hunt Ochco unit all the time and it's getting overran. And I, quite honestly, it's becoming not, uh, there's a lot of elk numbers, but they're living on private land and it's just getting overhunted. And most, a lot of those units over East are getting overhunted. But if you're willing to put in the work and the effort um, and get back to where the elk are still acting like elk, they're not getting so beat up. Um, Oregon's got a lot to offer. It's hard for me to go to another state when there, when we have this many elk. And quite honestly, there's a couple different places that I found some elk in that we ha we've only had a few encounters, but we've seen so much elk sign in there, and it's so remote, and it's such good elk country that until I kill an elk out of those places, because I just love them, and I, and I expect to kill an elk out of them, and I bet you there's some dinosaurs in there, until that happens, um, I probably won't go anywhere else elk hunting until I kill an elk out of those areas. Just because that it's part of the adventure for me, it's part of the tradition, it's part of the legend, it's all that stuff. So that's the reason I uh, um, 
probably won't hunt out of Oregon for elk for a while. Now, mule deer, that's a different story because our mule deer is horrible. But I do want to hunt mule deer, and I want to do some spot and stock with the bow. Um, I've got some Oregon points. I, I probably will burn them this year doing something different um, that I could take my family on. I think probably a rifle hunt that I could take my family, and we just chill out and drink coffee and eat a lot of bacon and eggs. Um, and then the second part of that question is, do I feel that it's challenge? Uh, uh, let me see. If someone you have or someone you have mentioned has, uh, do you feel that it's ch the that the challenge of hunting in Oregon has made other places feel completely easy or comparatively easy? My personal experience is just a couple years out here. I feel I've made more progress or progression than that of all the years I hunted prior combined, and I've heard that a lot. So I butchered that when I was reading it. I got to get my glasses. I don't have my glasses. Um, but uh, n I've heard that about other people that hunt out of state. Uh, Jerry talks about going whitetail hunting and talking about how easy it is compared to blacktails. Um, and then he's he's talked about some other states that he's gone to. I've talked to uh, Aaron. Aaron, matter of fact, one time told me, get out of Oregon or you're not going to kill any animals. Um, so... You know, um, Aaron Snyder, by the way, um, he told me, yeah, you know, if you, Oregon's a real hard place to hunt. And it is. It's it's a hard place to hunt. But um, I think, I, here's the deal, guys. I wouldn't, if, if I was worried about killing an animal, my main goal, now don't get me wrong, I want to kill an animal every year and I, I want to feed, feed my family with it and all those things. But my main goal with hunting um is actually uh, the experience of, of what I'm doing. And if, if I really was trying to fill my freezer every time and I was really looking for success, I sure wouldn't be shooting a stick bow. Um, there's guys that do it, you know. There's guys that, that fill their freezers. But they're, they're hunting everywhere and, and spending a lot of money and traveling all over the place. It's about the experience f for me it's just like that one place that i know it's not i mean there's probably one bull in there that's a dinosaur and i'm gonna hunt him instead of hunting 20 or 30 bulls out of a herd that's somewhere else just because that is something that i've wanted to do and and i i experienced so much through that and yeah um i i could get out of this state and i'm going to for deer i, I I'm, I'm fed up with hunting blacktail deer with my bow i i'm just I'm fed up with it. I've uh, sat in a tree stand way too long and looked at my game cameras, and uh, they just come at night. And you have one or two hours during the whole rut cycle, which is probably 120 hours that you've sat in the stand, for that one or two hours to get a big buck. And I'm just not into it. I, I just can't do it anymore. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to do something different for, bo for deers. Not deers. For deer. All right. Uh, number three, has the stick bow always been your preferred tool? Well, uh, yeah, <laughs> you heard the story. Um, I, I, I'm a simple kind of person, and I like simple things. Even my hunting gear is very simple. You look at the backpack that I carry. It's, it's The reason I have wilderness packs is because I started with them when I was a teenager. Um, I got one of those packs. Well, no, I was a little bit older than a teenager, but... Um, when I worked as a firefighter in the woods, people were carrying wilderness packs, and I saw how sturdy they were. So it's hard for me to change on something that works. 
and the same thing is now um we carry we hunt those wilderness packs the bighorn and and uh, the ibex and uh they're just dependable so the, those things that i prefer because um that's always worked and i don't need anything real uh fancy um if i carry could carry my stuff in and carry meat out and do it without killing myself that's pretty awesome and i see some other people with some of their newer packs really struggling with some of that meat and i look and i just keep thinking to myself man you know i they <laughs> it you can't hardly beat some of the stuff that uh, was invented 20, 30 years ago. So, anyhow, that's that's that. I uh, why did okay if if it wasn't my preferred tool, why did I switch? I used to hunt with a rifle quite a bit um, for deer, but you heard the elk story before. I'm I'm an elk hunter first and foremost. That is, elk hunting and duck hunting are my two favorite passions, and fly fishing's up there too. I, I really love to fly fish, but um elk hunting and duck hunting are the two things that i absolutely love so um the stick bow really doesn't hurt you elk hunting um there's some things that the compound has that that helps you know like being able to hold draw long is is probably the biggest advantage of a compound not shoot you don't have to shoot long if you're an elk hunter you you guys have watched our videos not one of those shots was over 20 yards in, in those videos uh, maybe David's. David's was my, a little bit longer, but that's just because David will shoot long. But um, and he didn't. You know, we made the moves to get closer a lot of times, and David didn't make. He didn't make the move to get closer, but because he felt like he was pretty good at that range, so he he took care of that. But um, who introduced me? So that here's here's boy. There's a lot of questions. This is question number three. That's got three questions. Who introduced me to um? Stick bows, it's one of those things we were shooting squirrels and rabbits and all that stuff when we were kids with stick bows. It wasn't it wasn't like I was thoroughly introduced. I did have a mentor early on. His name was Phil, um, and he he kind of helped me get my gear right. Once I once I started getting my stuff tuned, then life became a whole lot easier and. He was the one, of the guy that probably helped me do that the most. Phil Dimmick was his name, and he shot one of Alan's bows, um, Alan Boyce's Liberties, back in the I think it was like 2000. And so I've I've shot those Liberty bows. That that's why I'm still around Liberty bows, and that's why I'm still around some of the other recurves that I shoot. As I moved to Wade's bows, which are amazing bows, but they're just two different tools. But you know, I'll I still shoot Wade's bow. Um, you know, in some of the deep, dark holes, I'll take it with me and then shoot the longbow in the places that are a little bit easier. But that's kind of how I got into it. Um, here's another question. When did you first begin stick bow hunting and why? Um, I think I covered that one already. Um, here's another question. What's your views on baiting and salt? Uh, if it's legal, do it. Uh, and, and if you're if you're feeling like, oh, my gosh, uh, I'm baiting these guys, um, it's legal here in Oregon. I've sat over a lot of alfalfa in my day. Um, I'm telling you, with these blacktails, you have to try to put every advantage that you can. And if you think it's something that isn't traditional, that's ridiculous. Um, the Indians were baiting for years. Um, I Honestly, we can't bait bears here. We can bait deer and elk. 
but we can't bait bears. And I really wish that we could bait um, bears. And here's the deal is you're not just because you got one coming in doesn't mean you're ever going to kill it. Uh, and you you use a, up a lot of hours sitting and use up a lot of hours adding baits. You can, Like if you're baiting bears, you have to add bait every week. And so you've really earned it. It's not like it's easy. And um, I, I do think that uh, I do think that um, baiting is is a tool that we've used for years. And anybody that says that they don't bait their animals, um, they're crazy because they're shooting them going to and from food, or they're shooting them going into the bedding areas, or they're shooting them uh, using the rut. You know, so. Uh, it really it doesn't bother me one bit you're you're a, a predator you know tigers sit on um they they tigers and lions and cougars and wolves they sit where the they know that the um animals are going to con- congregate right they sit at the water holes they sit at the bait sites where the food is so it's you guys i i, I don't think that's an issue now if it's against the law it's against the law and uh, then you just don't do it. It's against the law. But uh, if it's legal, I have no problem with it. How about no trail cameras during hunting season? Um, now that, yeah, well, okay. I guess it depends on what you're doing. Um, I tell you what, if I'm sitting in a tree stand, I got to have a trail camera around or else I can't sit in that tree stand. If I have, if I know that there's something coming in there every day, and I'm not using it for like, oh, I wonder if there's any deer here. That's not my point. My point is, is how much time am I going to waste um, watching deer, uh, or, or watching a place where deer come in at night? And so we have so much of that here in Oregon that, um, quite honestly, there's times when I go check the trail camera and if not, if a deer hasn't come in during the day for like a week, I'm not going to sit that stand. And, um, I, I guess that's a bad thing about me, but, uh, I can't really sit in the stand as it is. So, uh, wasting that amount of time when I could be doing something else and then spending my time in the woods when it's optimal. So I am able to spend that, that good time in the woods. So I'm not sitting in a tree stand with my wife going, man, he's hunting way too much. Um, that way I could just do it optimally. Now, elk season, you don't even need them. You, you, you don't need cameras. Um, elk are a whole different animal than deer. And uh, elk will bugle. Deer don't bugle. And so you can hunt. As, as long as you in a place where you know there's elk, you'll find them and be able to kill them anytime. So you don't need a, a trail camera for that. Um, the only time that I use them... Uh, I do use them to scout to see if there's elk in the area, but um, I, you can take them out there during hunting season. It doesn't bother me. A lot of times we take ours out during hunting season because we don't want them getting ripped off. But uh, I, I don't have a problem with no trail cameras during hunting season with elk. Uh, deer, uh, I don't plan on sitting in a tree stand very much longer in my life. There's too many good other things to do than waste your life away sitting in a tree stand. And I, I don't mean to be facetious about that but um it seems like life nowadays is so busy anymore that if i'm going to spend time hunting with people i want to spend time hunting with people and elk is you could you could have a long time you know you're with somebody the whole time we usually hunt with three or four guys 
So that's a very um, uh, social thing that we do, a social activity. Same with duck hunting. I sit in a tree stand by myself up there thinking, man, I could be in the blind just shooting or uh, John with my kids and and really having a good time. And because that's as much a part of hunting to me as killing as big an animal as I can sitting in a blind for 12 hours or sitting in a tree stand. Um, now when I'm elk hunting, it's, you know, we hunt all day, but we're hunting together and we're, and we're working together and we're, we're laughing at each other. And so that's as big of a hunt as hunting to me as, as, um, anything. That's half the reason I'm out there. So that's, that's the reason that, uh, I don't have a problem with that. So, you guys, hopefully Thanks for joining this us for another Doggone Fun on the podcast. Um, and remember, do one of these we can be talking Friday about the stuff so that we're for our public land. So go and support the people that are protecting it. Backcountry Hunters and Anglers and TRCP. Also, if you'd like to see more of Barebow Hunters, go to our Facebook group. Go to our Instagram at Barebow Hunters. Like us and hashtag all of your photos uh, fun, with your Barebow uh, goodness in Barebow Hunter. Already that I got, uh, we have a website as well. You can go over there, and, uh, check out the rest of the podcast. We have videos, we have t-shirts and hats. Uh, Thanks again. Then, Until then, shoot straight. <laughs>